This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the 50 Years of Chelsea series. Uh, and this is part two of the 2003 to 2004 season. In part one, we took you all the way up to uh, the end of December, where Chelsea are slightly disappointingly in third position, having been top of the league uh, for a while back in the autumn. Uh, we're out of the, uh, the, uh, the League Cup, the Carling Cup. Um, the FA Cup is yet to start. More of that in a minute. Uh, and we're doing reasonably well in the Champions League. We're well positioned to make our way through. Uh, in fact, actually, we have made our way through because I'm talking complete nonsense. Because, of course... Oh, no, no. I'm, I am... I'm, no, yeah. Besiktas. Yeah, the Besiktas match, which we won 2-0. We only needed a draw there. So we, we basically end up winning the group. So we get to play somebody who finished second, as we all know. Uh, more of all of that in a minute. I'm joined, as ever, by Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on the show with such eminent guests as always. Uh, I'm also joined, of course, by the lovely Marco Warrell. Buonasera. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you for A, being on the show, but more to the point, thank you for writing that fabulous book, Overland and Sea, which actually regales us of tales of what happened in, in this season, particularly in the Champions League matches. And of course, no 50 years show would be complete without uh, the brains of an otherwise no-brain outfit. And that, of course, is Mr. Mark Meehan. Uh, great to be on the show tonight uh, you know, with, the, with the A-team. And again, if people are listening, if you haven't yet got that book of Marcos, I would highly recommend it. I've just finished rereading it this morning. It's a cracking read. It is a cracking book. I definitely agree with that. Now, a minute ago, I mentioned the FA Cup. Uh, and of course, as we all know, in, in uh, when God is uh, organising the fixture list, the FA Cup round three matches the first weekend in January. And so it proved in 2004. And we were drawn away to Watford, and I have to say, we got away with it, didn't we, Mark? We did. Um, early, early morning kickoff. It was on TV. Managed to get a ticket. 
uh, Watford. Lenny Pidgeley was actually in goal for Watford. He was on loan, um, but we allowed him to play. And Sean Dyche was playing for Watford as well. Sean Dyche! Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, managed by another another Chelsea connection, Ray Lewington was the manager. Yeah. So uh, Watford took the lead twice in the first half. The first one, and I've forgotten about this, but I remember at the time, Heide Helgerson's goal counted, but it did not cross the line. That's right. Um, VAR would disallow it now. The thing that struck me about this game, because the, the Watford two goals in the first half were at the Chelsea end of the ground where the Chelsea fans were. Desai did not fancy this one. He, um, so I've talked about Desai, absolutely brilliant player, majestic at times, brilliant in the Champions League. But there were certain games where he just didn't fancy it. This is one of those days. It was a bit of a rough and tumble cup tie. It was a horrible pitch. It was a bit windy. It was a bit muddy. Um, and Watford were quite prepared to put the boot in and get stuck in. So I think we did well getting a two-all draw out of this. Watford fans gave their players a standing ovation at the end. But we, we got a replay and we'll, and we'll obviously deal with it in the replay. But yeah, we, we got lucky in this one. We could easily have been giant killed out of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the next match is a home match. And... Just to say very quickly, sorry, Jake, Su- sorry, mate. Sull- Sullivan was playing and was um, uh, at fault for the uh, for their second goal when he went for it and then went back. And uh, not a good goalkeeper, as we would discover very soon, not to play ever again. So, although you know it was not a cup side that was that was played, so I'm wondering why I'm wondering why Sullivan was playing. Although actually he played against Portsmouth. Uh, before wasn't, that, wasn't hadn't Carlo got uh, an injury? Well, I think he did because I know we know that Carlo missed a massive chunk towards the end of the season with a broken hand, so maybe it had yeah. something to do with that. Yeah, no, I thought he had a, a, a but why, groin, why, groin strain or something. Why, was, on. why wasn't Rice Pudding playing? Um, because um, uh, I don't think it had been proven that he was uh, better than Sullivan, right? Okay. But also, I think Sullivan was so poor that they thought, blimey, we'd better just play Am- Ambrosia Cream. Okay, fair enough. Right. Next game, as we were saying, is against Liverpool at home. Now, if you remember, we kicked off the season with a really impressive 2-1 win up at Anfield, which made me feel very excited and optimistic for our league title winning credentials. I have to say that there were very few matches that that pissed me off uh, this season more than the Liverpool game. Obviously, I was there. Uh, But I felt we were really unlucky, actually. and, And they basically spawn their way to a win through that horrible I don't know why I disliked him so much but Sheru I really didn't like um I know why I think I was really really pissed off about this I mean I don't know why I didn't like Sheru but I didn't and he scored uh they had that awful awful human being Juf playing for them he got sent off uh I mean it wasn't really that much to be honest but you know I would have sent him off for just being a git frankly the other thing that annoyed me was that Sammy Hoopier uh, clearly fouled, uh, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Jimmy, no, it was Gronkier, I don't know, I can't remember who it was in the box. It wasn't penalised, of course. So there was that clear sense of bias uh, for Liverpool that I think really, really wound me up. But anyway, we lost. It was on Mutu, it was on Mutu. It was on Mutu, thank you, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, Crespo, who was injured and is now out for two months, so I suppose that pissed me off too. But say Lavi, uh, we made up for it uh, next week because we went away to Leicester and we humped them 4-0. Hasselbank scores. Dabizas got an own goal. Mutu, that man again on 88. Babayaro scored an absolute belter on 90 as well. So we kind of got the show back on the road. And then we had the replay of the FA Cup match. 
at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Marco, um, I presume you were there? Yeah, I'd have been there. Um, I, I, I mean, I've no real recollection of the game beyond um, Mutu grabbing a brace. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, I, I, I cannot I cannot comment on this game. Why, Mark, were there only, you know, where were the Watford fans? Well, that's the thing. Watching it, I, I, I can't remember this game either. But watching it back on the video, that was the question I was saying. Where were the Watford fans? Because we talked about this on previous shows where we played Arsenal and we played West Ham in FA Cup games and they had the Matthew Harding end, which we couldn't for the life of me understand why, other than probably we were giving them a decent allocation. But if you watch closely on the end of season video, the Matthew Harding stands is divided in two. And there's that sort of like black sheet they put up. So like the Chelsea to the left, and there's like the Watford to the right. But yeah, was it was an FA Cup replay? You'd have thought Watford would have brought more than a couple of thousand Stamford Bridge for a cup replay, or maybe they just thought their chance had gone in the first game. Oh, poor show, either way. Um, poor show, really. The next game, nil-nil draw at home against Birmingham. Could have done without that. And then we've got the next round of the FA Cup, and this is a match I remember vividly. It was just one of those classic kind of FA Cup ties. We get drawn away to mighty Scarborough. Russell Slade was the manager. Uh, in the in the wonderfully named McCain Stadium, JK. Theatre of Chips. Theatre of Chips. Wasn't the, um, the the mascot Billy the Chip? He could well have been. Could have been yeah. Freddie the Fry. I remember him. I think it was Billy the Chip. I okay. remember him wandering around this chip-shaped mascot. You know, this chip-shaped um um, a Stamford equivalent. You have to give it to McCain's. They're, everything was 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 branded. You know, the stadium, every 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 billboard was was McCain. So they obviously knew the moment had come, wasn't it? That it was going to be um, broadcast all around the uh, all around the country because it was uh, match of the day. So uh, um, game of the day. Um, uh, everybody expecting an upset, and we played absolutely dreadfully. I mean, we were. You know, it, it was. You could tell that their hearts went in it because they thought, you know, that this side are going to be crap. And indeed, they were crap. And the pitch, of course, was a bit dubious. But we still came away with uh, came away with a win. Um, and it was Alexis Nicholas's debut, who um, um, I think that was the end of that, wasn't it? I think he played once more as a sub. But um, uh, I don't really remember anything about him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody can shed some light on him as a player. Not um, I. <clears throat> some, uh but yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't a great display. But at the end of it, of course, uh, just round about then, Scott Parker was signed. So uh, well, we'll, we'll get into Scotty we'll Parker get, in a minute. Getting into that in a minute. But um, but yeah, as a game, I, I was just bemused by the branding of everything and everywhere, and the uh, um, and every reference to McCain oven chips. It was you didn't forget that uh, you ought to go home and buy a packet as soon as you got into a into a, a your corner store. I wonder if any. I, I wonder if any of them thought they were Elvis, Mark. Uh. <laughs> very very good well i was going to say uh do you know what's happened to scarborough's mccain stadium now um no it's now a little it's now and a i wonder little. if they sell i wonder if they sell mccain chips in the little well so where does scarborough play somewhere completely different no scarborough went bust they know they Didn't are they? no more there are no oh, more. Yeah, the God. stadium was demolished 10 years ago. No way. Yeah, so there's probably an AFC Scarborough now. Yeah. But yeah, Scarborough went out of business. You know? And the, the amazing thing, fair play, you managed to get a ticket for this game, JK. Because like the crowd was only five and a half thousand. So 
it was like a really hot ticket. This one. Oh, that was when I was called website because I was taking notes for my web for my for my website, and that um oh, and I well, sat next to uh, yeah. I sat next to that bloke Lovejoy. No you know, way. Was, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, we remember, know Lovejoy. Yeah, remember him? He, would, he, he looked, he looked oh. vaguely like um, uh, Ian McShane and had the same dyed hairstyle, and uh, and and would would love the love the fact that when he would walk down the the uh, the aisle of uh, uh, of the terraces or the seats, everybody would shout out Lovejoy, 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 give us a wave, Lovejoy. But I was sitting next to him, and it was he who queried um, um, what I was making my notes for, and he thought I was a copper. And he kept saying, "What's this for, then? You, you, uh, you, what are you? You police? You journalist? Is this, is this, is this Tim Lovejoy or Ian McShane? Um, this Ian is. McShane. What, what do you mean? Well, is it's it... a, it's, it, he looks like the Ian McShane Lovejoy, the Chelsea fan. No, it was... no, 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 he... no, 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 no. Pause, rewind. Ian McShane played Lovejoy in the BBC One drama series. Okay, yes. and he had black hair. Was from Manchester. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Tim Lovejoy was the Watford fan who then sold himself as a Chelsea fan who presented um, Soccer AM, yes, and in yeah. fact also presented this season's DVD review. We know, but the guy beside J.K. At Scarborough actually looks like the character Lovejoy played by Ian Shane. Thank you for clarifying that, Mark. No, that's, 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 that's all I, I all knew. I wanted. That's all I wanted. I thought you knew. No. He was a character. A character of the period, he went to all the away games, right. and would and he'd and he'd wear velvet jackets or he'd wear sort of um, roll necks and look look, uh, you know, he'd dress up, he'd dress up because of the notoriety he got from vaguely resembling Ian McShane, and people would shout out, "Lovejoy, give us a wave!" and "Lovejoy, Lovejoy," and I sat next to him, and he was convinced that I was a uh, uh, um, spying. You were old Bill, mate. On the fans, yeah, he was convinced about it. And the other side was this bloke who said, "What well, you are?" I had to explain to him as well. And from then on, he, he every time I saw him at away games, he'd call me website. Yeah. So I almost got the moniker of website as a consequence, just because I said I'm writing for my website, which is what I was. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no, the Lovejoy guy was. Uh, I thought you knew he was a. Yeah. I don't know what well, happened. I didn't to him, go away he? much in those days. So. Yeah. Yeah. You remember? You remember him? Chad? Real name Sam. He. he... He was in the rag trade. Was he? Well, that would make sense why he got access to the clothes because he, he was a yeah. swell, he was a swell dresser. Yeah. In fact, I think I might I, I might have. I'm sure he was. He owned that that brand rice. I, I might be completely wrong. R E I double S. I, I, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I remember it seeing him at away games with a butcher's apron on. Sort of going back, going back in the day, um, but I think yeah, I think he had he, he stopped going. I think he had like poor health, uh, or he had some he had like a, a leg injury or something. I'm not sure. Um, Blimey, knowledge. Why people. did he wear the butcher's apron? Well, it, it was all the rage, wasn't it? In uh, and walking sticks. Uh, <laughs> walking sticks was a little bit before. I, know. <laughs> yeah. I remember that on that love sports show we did. It was absolutely brought the house down that one. All right. Well, we didn't bring the house down up in the McCain Stadium, uh, but we did get through to the next round, which is what it's all about. Mark got a very interesting little note here about Baba Yaro because, of course, it was uh, African Nations Cup uh, time. <clears throat> so Baba Yaro 
uh, went out there, but he got thrown out of the... Why did he get thrown out of the Nigeria squad, Mark? Uh, indiscipline was the words used by the Nigerian national team. So they, he'd gone out playing the African Nations Cup, as he said. They'd played one game, and they were about to have their second game at South Africa. Uh, and he was sent home with Yukubu, who I think was either playing for Middlesbrough or Portsmouth at that time. But there's, there's another bit we'll cover, but I may as well say it now. Uh, he didn't come home straight away. <laughs> he got lost. <laughs> he took a while to come back home. So when he finally returned home, Chelsea fined him for being late back. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, right. We're still in third position, by the way, folks. We now play Blackburn Rovers. Again, as I keep saying, I always find them a, a bogey side, but we did all right. Uh, we won 3-2, but actually only because of a last-minute, brilliant last-minute goal by uh, Glenn Johnson. But Jonathan, just to keep you relatively happy and sane, this was the debut of a certain Scotty Parker. Ah, yes. Um, it was one of Petit's last games. It was his last game. game. It was his yeah. last game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a strange combination of players as well. That, you know, where, was, where was Maka? Where was uh, and he? But he played the JF eight, the uh, Jimmy Floyd plus Mutu. Um, but as you say, Desai was clearly on the naughty step after his previous ex uh, uh, performances. I think the the problem with this this short period was that this is where we effectively lost the title. I'm not so and, sure. I'm not so sure. I think there's a, I think there's knowing, a little bit of time yet. We're still well. We, we go up in the league again. So no, I, I know we do, but I, I still think we'd have if we hadn't dropped points and it was a terrific victory with Johnson's goal but just around it um uh, I felt that we were uh, we were beginning to lose momentum I also was disappointed by the the exit from the league cup which I, I felt was um uh, should never have happened knowing that um the the the, the pedigree of this team um so uh, I was critical once again, but then I'm, you know, I'm being consistent. Which I've never ever heard you be critical ever before, no, ever, no, never, no. ever, ever. No, no. Um, as luck would have it, as this often happens, um, we we then have Charlton in our next game at home, and of course Scott Parker's not allowed to play because apparently um, part of the ten million transfer deal is that he's not uh, he's not allowed to play. So if that's the case. Uh, Mark, what what was Neil Barnett doing? He's introducing him to the crowd, I suppose. Why not? He's a new player. Well, obviously, Neil Barnett was, was busy this season introducing lots of new players to the crowd. But the unusual part of the Scotty Parker deal, who we paid only £10 million for at the time, so what we paid for pretty much for Frank Lampard a couple of years earlier, is because he wasn't allowed to play, Scott Parker was sitting in the West End executive area. So like where the Abramovich is, he's probably in the Siemens box. So probably with Marco. <laughs> so Neil Barnett introduces Scott Parker to the Chelsea fans and he points him out in, in the West End executive area. That's how he was introduced. And clearly the Charlton fans were really not happy, bearing in mind Scott Parker virtually beat us single-handedly on sort of Boxing Day. So they let their feelings known how unhappy they were at... Parker joining Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, other other news on all of this as well, of course, is that this is the first time when, um, I mean, we really do know that uh, Ranieri's future is on the line, isn't it? Kenyon comes out with a pronouncement. Yeah, yeah Kenyon basically says that, yeah, and he's not long 
come off guardingly was in the job officially in one of his early statements he basically said the only way Ranieri would definitely safeguard his job was winning a major trophy at the end of the season otherwise the season would be seen as a failure mm. and as JK's already said we're out of the league cup so we're down to three trophies now um and on that same day against Charlton, Kenyon's mate, Mr. Goran Eriksson, is once more there in the ground, allegedly on a scouting mission. Yeah. Sniffing around like a bad bad penny. Um, Wasn't he abused, Mark? Wasn't we don't of... want Eriksson. Yeah. We, we don't, don't want, want Eriksson. Yeah. We want a Seaman's phone. <laughs> For 89 oh. 99 and with, 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 with SMS. And EMS. And EMS, yes. Yeah, so we didn't want Ericsson. Um Next up, we got Portsmouth, and luckily Parker is playing because he scores for us on 90 minutes, as does the marvellously wonderful, beautiful man that is Hernan Crespo on 79 minutes. I think you you were at this one, weren't you, Marco? I don't know why I remember that. You were you were at the Portsmouth game? Me? Yeah. Uh, you don't remember. I probably got I, it I was there. Well, you I were there. there. Yeah. Um, I, do you know what? I've got a, I've got a vague memory. Did it shit down with rain? I always thought it did, and there was never but a cover on exactly that Exactly my point. You never, there was no roof on the away end in those days, and it would yeah. invariably piss down with rain when we played ball. Also, any chanting just disappeared up into the ether. Yeah, it was definitely. a very strangely quiet place. Yes, I'm pretty sure you're right. But they scored a couple of goals, didn't we? And Chris Good chest, chested in after Jimmy Floyd did a wonderful bit yeah. of skill. Parker's goal was a good one. I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, next up, as Mark was saying a minute ago, we're in three trophies still, or in with a chance of three trophies. The next one is the FA Cup. Uh, guess who we get drawn, Mark? Sick of it now. And then there were two. Um, <laughs> so we get drawn again against Arsenal. So another Sunday afternoon FA Cup tie at Highbury. But we make a good start. Uh, Parker's uh, in midfield, has a really good game. He mixes it early doors at Vieira. Mutu gives us a first half, first half lead. So happy days on the concourse at halftime. Yeah, everyone's happy. Um, would we break our hoodoo against Arsenal finally? No. No. Nope. Uh, Jose Antonio Reyes, who sadly has passed away. Yeah, he died in uh, a car crash, didn't he? He did indeed. So he scored two goals in the second half, and our cup dream is over. And Ranieri now only has two chances to win a trophy. And then lo and behold, we play him in the week, week later, and we lose them there as well. So probably the league is gone by then because Arsenal stretched their lead over us even further, even though we're in second place. Well, can I just have yeah, a good I've... week? No, not a good week. JK? Can I ask a question about the, the Parker purchase? Was was essentially he was just bought because he'd played so well rather than for Charlton, rather than uh, them looking at the side and thinking we need a better midfielder, somebody in the midfield. It seemed to me that it was slightly um, arse, arse about over, over tip. You know, it well, was, it I, was I, the... I, think hmm. he, I think he might have replaced Petit. Oh, that's true. That's true yeah. because he was in. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. But I just felt at the time there was an element of that that uh, it was let's try and buy the best players, and it's it's not going to really help the um, the the attitude of the side knowing that there's another player come in who's going to be competing with you. But on the other hand, it's it's business, isn't it? So uh, you know, you give into it, don't you? I mean, so, I'm not sure. He, sorry, go he, on, Mark. Go on, go. On. Yeah, but to be fair to Parker, 
I, I think Parker was a good buy for us for yeah. that short period of time. Great. I thought between then and the end of the season, he was virtually ever-present. He played a lot of football. And I think he helped, you know, Frank's game as well. Because um, he, he was almost like a protector for Frank. So I thought it was a really good buy. It's just a shame that when Josie came in, you know, he, he didn't keep him. He didn't rate him, did he? No. Mm. Totally agree. Now, to catch up with things, we're out of the cup, thanks to Arsenal beating us in the cup. And then literally um, less than a week later, we play them in the league and we lose 2-1. And I'm, I'm, I'm now with you boys, particularly JK, uh, because we're now nine points behind Arsenal in the league, JK. The league title's gone. You're right. I thought it was later than that, but I think it's gone by now, hasn't it? But also to be to give them credit, they were playing wonderfully. Well, they were. This is their invincible season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think in, if Arsenal hadn't been playing at this level, we, we'd have uh, we'd have we'd have been we'd have won it. Well, at the turn of the year, we had never yeah. scored. We had never had this many points before. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. we we know what happens at the end of the season, so we'll keep that until then. But so we'd have probably won it and kept Ranieri, and I would have been in despair. Yeah, <laughs> we'd have been given a hundred-year contract. With, with, you know. <laughs> Signed in It'd your blood. It'd still be there now, wouldn't It'd it? still be there now, yeah. <laughs> You'd have won the Champions League. I know. We'd all be going, Claudio Ranieri's blue and white army. Now, uh, okay, so we st- we're out of the league. We're out of the cup. We're out of the Carling Cup. But we're still in the Champions League. And we have uh, the round of 16, I suppose it is, in old money. Match away against Stuttgart, who, of course, we remember lovingly, thanks to beating them 1-0 to lift the uh, Cup Winners' Cup back in 98, Marco. Now, is this the trip with Solari? Yeah, it is. Yes, I thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) This was quite extraordinary because um, we actually had, like, there was a load of us went to this game and we we made a schoolboy error and didn't have any tickets for the game. Um, through, through the official channels, and obviously no social media. Um, and young Dave found this guy. I can't remember how he did it. This guy called who's who said Dave said I've I, I've met this guy called Wolfman. Um, I've emailed him and he's going to meet us in this bar in Stuttgart. And it was all like and it was snowing when we got there. Um, and we'd sort of flown to Munich and, and uh, got a train down. Um, and we ended up in this bar. And, and this guy turned up. He sh- showed up like we bought 10 tickets off him. Um, and uh, along, the, along the course of the evening, Solari gets chatting to this barmaid and decides he'd rather stay in the pub than go to the game. Um, Proper jails, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And he was still there when when um, when we got back from the game to 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 come and find him. Um, so yeah, we we watched that game in in um, we weren't in well we weren't in the away end, but we were in the away stand opposite where the the, the Chelsea supporters were. And this was kind of my first experience. I, I was like thinking. Fucking hell, they've got quadraphonic sound in this stadium. The way the, the Germans coordinated, I mean, you always get a good atmosphere at, at, at German at German football stadiums. Um, but the way they had this all coordinated in terms of the way they chanted um, 
was was phenomenal and uh obviously we won which was great um yeah terrific trip mark you were out there too weren't you well, was indeed, uh, but, but and not with little... Ma- not with Marco. We hasten to. Well, I, I don't. I'll come to that in a minute. I don't know. Maybe um, not in the stadium. Certainly, um, um, starting point. And Marco made reference to it. Um, I was quite lucky. We managed to actually get tickets uh, in the Chelsea section. So you think how Chelsea sell tickets now? They did it a really old-fashioned way. They sold them on the morning of the Arsenal home game. You know, no loyalty points, no nothing. You just turned up with your season tickets. Um, so we managed to get two tickets. Uh, we flew into Munich um, and we got the Rattler down from Munich to Stuttgart, which is probably two or three hour, hour journey. Uh, we had an yeah. extra companion on the train, Mr. Only a Pound. Hurry up. Lesson. Hurry up, yeah, who, who joined us on the train and somehow managed to avoid paying his fare for the whole journey, like a craftsman watching him, in, you know, avoid the Hector <laughs> coming around, sort of like checking the tickets was just brilliant. He was amazing watching him. But the buffet car was the place to be. The buffet car was really lively. So we popped down the buffet car very often. And then only when I was rereading Marco's book over the last couple of days, uh, Marco and all his crowd, they also flew into Munich and got the Rattler down to Stuttgart and, and camped up in the buffet car. So who knows? We might have even been on the same train. But um, it, I remember it was snowing. It was bloody cold up Stuttgart, you know, checking into our hotel. And the snow started falling. But I thought on the night, this was a very good performance. Marco's right. Noisy stadium. And I thought Crespo this night was man of the match. He had an absolutely brilliant game. And why it sticks in my mind, um, you always sort of like listen to those Chelsea fans who like moan beside you. And there was this guy in the Chelsea section, oh, bloody Crespo's playing. Oh, we should be playing this and that. And I just said, no, watch him. And I Were kept you sitting him, next to JK? No, no, no. Excuse me. Excuse me. I was a fan of Crespo. Yeah. Yeah. And I kept saying to this guy, you know, like he he was sitting behind me. I said, look, watch this guy for 90 minutes. Uh, Yeah, but he doesn't always do that. I said, no, just watch him for 90 minutes and watch what he does off the ball, not just what he does with the ball. And I said, look at the space he moves into and what he creates for other members of the team that they can then go through and there's a there's a great moment and good johnson says it on the video where crespo creates the space for good johnson to go through and he should have made it two nil and good johnson said after geo do you know what I should, I should have scored that one watching crespo never mind when he came back after marino's first season and he really paired up well with Dortmund. i thought he was just a tremendous yes. footballer and it was just a pleasure going to chelsea yes. every week and when he was on the pitch watching him play i thought he i thought it was just sad how it worked out with him at chelsea but great player while he was there well a world-class striker of no doubt and and I think it really pisses me off when pundits and journalists now with the retrospective glasses on say that he was a failure at Chelsea because it was just absolutely abjectly not true JK this was our 16th away win this season which was a new record for us at the time yes yes it was weird that we couldn't seem to quite um uh, achieve this this frequency of winning at home it was something that wouldn't. Once again, I'm sorry to go on about this. I think it was because of the uh, the lack of consistency in selection. But um, uh, um, it, 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 I, I mean, I, I found myself watching with this 
this the, the delight of seeing a, a developing side and thinking what will this side be able to achieve? Because there was such terrific players and Crespo was one of them. I was just bemused as to what combination the manager would choose him to play in or would he actually get in? Um, but I, I absolutely echo all of your your um, mm. views on, on him, Mark. Um, his, his running off the ball, I think I said this even earlier, was superb. And also, but, you know, um, you can't take away from the fact that I think, I think that, that, Ida was just brilliantly skillful and a great shot taker. The number of times he'd score from acute angles, looking at the strengths. Uh, Jimmy was just absolutely brilliant from wherever, making space for himself. And Mutu was a kind of um, slightly loose cannon, just banging it in and running, buzzing around like a bee, really, as a, in the comparison. So they were they were they were very different styles of footballer. But Crespo was an, a wonderfully classy performer. Really top top stuff. The you know you've got these as examples of how you should be playing playing as a centre forward, and then we're we're stuck with the bag of cement. Oh, is luckily it makes you, makes you think, doesn't it? It does make you think. Um, all the strikes in the world couldn't uh, score past Stuttgart in the return leg in March, but it didn't matter because I thought, actually, we managed that game out really, really well. This is a note for Champions League uh, matches f- uh, coming forward later on. Marco? I was just going to say there was... Um, <clears throat> well, it could have been a pivotal moment... Um, Kudicini, the 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 spider, as uh, we nicknamed him, um, injured his hand in in training. Broke, um, broke a bone in it, didn't he? Yeah. So he he was out then, and then we were all shitting ourselves because the spider was going to be replaced by the leopard. The leopard. <laughs> the leopard. <laughs> Why the fuck was he called the leopard? Well, the. Cudicini, Cudicini's old man, Fabio Cudicini, um, who, who's still going strong today, was a, a legendary goalie yeah. in, in Italy. And he was known as um, Il Ragno Nero, the black spider, because right. um, he wore a black roll neck in the days of when goalies wore roll neck jumpers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lev Yashin wore one of them. Yeah. Yeah, so so anyway, we we decided that we'd call Kudicini the spider, and my godson Joshua decided that um, in that case Ambrosio was going to be known as the leopard, and we never we never actually knew why he called him the leopard. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I went well, we for route one and called him the put the rice pudding, mate. Yeah, exactly. But there you go. But you're right. You know, Carlo after this match is out for several months with a broken hand, which could be pivotal given that Sullivan is shit and, in my opinion, so is Ambrosio Rice Pudding. Um, It didn't seem to affect us. He does play, actually, in the next match against Bolton away. We win 2-0, Terry and Duff on the score sheet. And then we got Fulham at home uh, and we win 2-1 with, guess what, Good Johnson and Duff on the score sheet. And then horror upon horrors, uh, particularly for me and Mark Meehan, uh, we're drawn against Arsenal, the Arsenal, in the quarterfinal of the Champions League, Mark. How did you feel about this? Because obviously the first leg's at Stamford Bridge, which of course we don't, we, I don't think that's good. It's nice to have the home leg second, so there's that issue. How did you feel going into this? We haven't beaten them for like ever. Despite being an internal optimist, as you know, 
I was thinking, oh no, not again. Yeah. I'm sick, I was sick of the sight of them by now. And as I've said before here, I was working in Camden at this time, and that Camden is Arsenal hotbed mm. for support. I was surrounded by Arsenal fans. So it was an unbearable time also to be at work at this time. Because they are they're bloody annoying when they win Arsenal fans. They're unbearable. They, really are. they are unbearable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I was very trepidatious about this. No doubt, we're all we're all there. I can't remember where I was sitting actually. I think something tells me I wouldn't have been sitting in Gate Seventeen. I don't know. Had we been booted out of Gate Seventeen for this one, Marco? Um, do you know what? I think we watched this. Me and my pals watched this one in the shed. Yeah, I think mm. I was in the shed, but I can't. I know I was in the shed for Monaco, but I'm not. I can't remember for this one. Yeah, I, I think we were in the shed for this yeah, one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't as bad as we all thought it might be. I mean, it ends up one all. Um, it could be worse. There's an argument to say that one all suits the away side better. So it could have been, you know, Arsenal favourites to go through in the second leg. But Johnson scores a good goal on 53. Pires scores a stupidly simple goal for them on 59. Uh, Marcel Desai was sent off on 84 minutes, uh, JK. Yes. Um, well, I think initially he got in... Um, he, he... He'd been booked early on, hadn't he, for um, for getting in Lehman's way when he was throwing the ball out, which was a, a strange thing to be doing for a, a, a French international with over 104 caps, because you know you're going to get booked for doing that. And then uh, a very stupid sliding tackle. And uh, it, it looked very peculiar to me, as if he was deliberately doing it. I don't want to say he was deliberately doing it, but these were utterly stupid things to be doing and you know in a Champions League game with the the lack of tolerance of referees who don't actually know you because they don't um, referee you day in day out uh, you're going to get sent off so um, that was him out for for any other Champions League uh, well although although ironically it wasn't and I still for the life of me don't know why but um, I, I think it was stupid for the first booking. I thought I, I understood the second. He was basically taking one for the team, but you can't take one for the team if you're on a ye- if you're on a yellow, which is what he was, which was a bit. I say the first one was just bizarre. Why no, would it was you? Stupid, wasn't it? Yeah. Why would you do that? Hey ho! The bottom line is one all. We're still in it. That's the main thing. Even if it is the Arsenal, uh, an absolutely bizarre game follows when we play Wolves at home. Uh, we win five two, but there is a point of the match when we're two one down. Uh, until Lampard equalises on 70 minutes. And then, uh, Mark, an absolutely remarkable Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank hat-trick. He scores on the 77th, the 87th and the 90th minute. I was desperately hoping he was going to repeat the perfect hat-trick he scored against Spurs a couple of years before because he'd already done right foot, left foot. He just needed to get a header. But, hey, who's complaining? Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank at his best and he came off the bench to do it. Yep, he came He came off the bench um, on the hour. We were 2-1 down to bottom of the table walls. It was a bit of a funny atmosphere that day as well. Um, and despite the whole thing we've said on previous shows about Ranieri, I think by now, Ranieri had gained a phenomenal amount of sympathy from Chelsea fans. And I, I'd include myself there. I've said many times, I may not be the biggest fan, he tinkered far too much. But on the day of this game, you know, front page press news, Svengor and Ericsson again, He's on the front page of the Sun, you know, having been spotted by the paparazzi uh, with Peter Kenyon, you know, paying him a visit. So 
it been rumours, it been speculation. Now there's a photograph of both of them together. So I think there's a lot of sympathy for Ranieri. It was a bit flat. Uh, Wolves were a bit of aggressive. They went 2-1 up. But Jimmy coming on just changes everything. Lampard pulls it back, as you said. But that hat-trick from Jimmy is, is amazing. And you can just see how pleased he was getting that hat-trick in such a short period of time. We've said it many times, a great sent forward for Chelsea. You must have been very happy, JK. Oh, I, I was happy that he was going to be replaced. But no, in fact, I wasn't because I no, didn't want with, Eric. with Hasselbank. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. What, what a player. Oh, God. Quite superb. Yeah. It was a great hat-trick. I mean, what well, I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere during it, it was the it was the first time a player had scored a hat-trick for Chelsea coming off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was one of the first times anybody had scored yeah. a hat-trick coming off the bench in the Premier League. And he was 32, bless him. So there yeah. you go. And he had that wonderful, he ad- adopted or this, his celebration was, was almost to say, look at me, I'm really, really fit. Look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm man in control. Because you do a cartwheel and then a backward flip. And, and comes back up standing again. And that was his, uh, from then on, that was his trademark celebration. Yeah, he had a good teacher in Babayaro, Marco. I was just going to say, I'm pretty certain, as as Mark was alluding to, this, there was kind of this um, media frenzy over Ericsson being appointed the next Chelsea manager. And there, there was definite, um, we don't want Ericsson um in the way that we didn't want George Graham previously. There, there was a welter of support for Ranieri. And I think after that Wolves game, I think I'm pretty certain this is where he came out with. He used to come out with um, some wonderfully uh, lost in Ranieri speak quotes. And uh, I'm pretty certain he came out with the line, I'm a concrete man and I want to continue to work hard. When I wake up, I start to work. Dreams finish with the night. Um, he was a knob, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll Harsh tell you what, but fair. Harsh but what, fair. What, what always used to make me laugh, or used to make us all laugh, before, when the players were out doing their warm-up, he would come out and he would look at their feet. He would, like, put his head to one side and just stare at their feet. And we were like going, what the fuck is he? Why is he looking at their feet? What is it that he can see in their feet? And we, we never actually got an answer to that. But I did, when, when he, um, I, I've always like kind of looked to see if he still does it. And he does. I don't know where he's managing at the moment. He must have had about 20 jobs since he left Chelsea. Oh, I know. Strange guy. Um, okay, so we're now in April. By the way, we're second in the league. I mean, we're, we're miles off. Uh, Arsenal, if you bear with me one second, I'll tell you how many miles we are off uh, the Arsenal. Um, here we go. We caught, we, we caught up a little bit. Well, we're six points behind, Mark. We've also yeah, played yeah. a game more, so let's say nine. We're still donkeys behind. We are, in fact, those six points above United, albeit we've played a game more. So, you know, uh, safe in second-ish, but really, you know, winning the league is still off... off uh, off the uh, off the agenda now. Okay, we we know we've got a second leg coming up in the Champions League quarterfinal against Arsenal. What better way to prepare for that than going up to White Hart Lane 
Um, and actually, I mean that. What better way to prepare for a trip to Arsenal by going to a place where we haven't lost now for 17 years? And of course, we keep that going. Guess what? JK's best mate, Hasselbank, scores on 38 minutes to basically uh, give us a 1-0 win. Um, as Mark points out in his little bit of research, um, uh, as I said, it's 17, 17 years since we've uh, last lost up there. But uh, we've now played 31 games and have 70 points and are four points behind Arsenal. So I, I have to say, Mark, I think it's gone. And I felt that at the time. Oh, it, oh, it was gone. But football can be sort of like a, a funny beast at times. <laughs> Arsenal were like a machine at this point. But we were nine points behind. We'd got it back to four. When we were beating Tottenham, Arsenal were only drawing. But obviously the most important game coming up is the Arsenal's quarterfinal second leg. But we actually were on a good run. Some of that silly results we'd had in previous months, we'd actually won five games in a row. We were on a really good run of form going into the Arsenal quarterfinal second leg. Well, five league games in a row. Obviously we drew the first against Arsenal. But other than the Arsenal game, which we'll talk about now, uh, the remaining games in this month in the league kill off if anyone out there was the eternal optimist thinking we still had a chance at the title. It, it, it goes in the month of April, but that doesn't matter well, because something more it, important it, happens. It, it does, Mark. You're right. I mean, we, we draw nil-nil with Middlesbrough, even though Good Johnson hits the post and Lampard misses an absolute sitter on the rebound. So we should have won that at home. Bloody Villa again screw us over, uh, winning three-two up at uh, up at Villa Park. Uh, Hitzel, Sperger, and Vassell for them, and Hendry. Uh, I mean, Crespo scores an absolute superb goal, which is a curler into the kind of goalkeeper's left-hand post. Wonderful, wonderful Wonder goal, wonderful. Yeah, another brace for Crespo. But I, th- I think the title challenge is definitively over. With these three matches, yeah, Mark, I agree with absolutely. you. Middlesbrough, yeah. we draw Dumb. Middle, draw against Middlesbrough, lose against Villa, draw against Everton at home, and again Lampard hits the bar and the post in that match. So those two matches we could have won, but it's over. That is it, game over for that. But not in the Champions League quarterfinal, which is before the Middlesbrough Villa and the Everton games. I mean, arguably one of the most famous matches in our history. Um, you know, it 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 quite often creeps into everybody's. Favourite matches when I do the My Chelsea's, and with good reason. Now, okay, I couldn't get a ticket. I was thoroughly pissed off about not being able to get one. But I bet I bet you all the money in, that I have in the world that Mark Worrell, Mark Meehan, and Mr. Jonathan Kidd were all there. Am I right? Yes. No. No, no, I no. don't believe it. I've just lost no. all the money I have. You've just lost it. all the money I have because I gave you a clue earlier, you know. Yeah, I'd never seen Chelsea no, win, but then I remembered that, yeah. You did, um, didn't you? Chelsea's ticket system, I have to say, although I was pissed off I didn't get a ticket, was completely fair. They allocated the tickets for the Arsenal game because we had a smaller allocation than normal for cup games on the basis of the number of European away games you did that season. That's and why my I regret, didn't get a ticket. Yeah, now that was my regret because I, I did the Lazio game and I did the Stuttgart game, but I didn't do Besiktas, I didn't do Zelina, and I didn't do Prague. If I'd done one more European game, I would have got a ticket. So, you know, unhappy as I was not getting the ticket, it was a fair system, I think. Better than the virtual bloody waiting room. No, mate, I can't I can't agree more. No. You know, I, I think you're right. And, of course, in those days, I didn't know enough people to scam a ticket elsewhere by the usual channels. So, more for me. <laughs> but hey-ho, hey-ho, you live and learn. Uh, 
So it's a bit of a bun fight, like a celebrity death match between Mark Worrell and Jonathan Kidd as to who wants to talk about this. Because I'm all, all because I like winding him up. I'm going to ask you first, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, this this was actually uh, this, was, this would be my last visit to to Highbury because I didn't go. I think they played there another. I didn't go the following season. I think I think that was it. And what a way to sign off! Thirty thousand Muppets we were chanting, and the next time I was there, it'd be sixty thousand Muppets, um, or uh, at the at the Emirates. Yeah, um, what a night! Uh, I, I, you know, I mean, at the end did, of the did day, did you meet in the Spice Alive? We did, yeah. Um, but I mean, just in terms of that goal, uh, I mean, I remember being in the clock end when Kerry Dixon scored in front of the clock end. Um, and it was just like, wow. And then we, we'd sort of been talking about all that and then Bridge scored that goal. Um, and, and it was just, you know, it was just insane to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just like one of those great Chelsea moments um, that spawned a song that is still sung today. That's right. I mean, I think all the best Chelsea moments like that are, are celebrated in song. It was Wayne, but you know, follow, follow, follow. There was only three minutes to go. It was Wayne Bridges' goal that sent us out of control. And Arsenal out the Euro two three four. I mean, it was huge, J.K., wasn't it? I mean, I think when you when you get, I mean, you've got a sense over the last few shows we've done in this series, in particular, how much it really pissed both me and Mark off that we couldn't win. I mean, I was literally in tears when those fuckers knocked us out of the FA Cup last season because I just could not believe they'd done it again. Could not believe I was. It was our time, you know. How dare you? So, this is this is for me the context of the enormity of this win. And then, of course, you fr- reframe it with a bit of external stuff, like the fact that they're the invincibles. Well, they're not invincible because we beat them this season. So shut up. I think one of the other things to remember is we we, we did play wonderfully well as we well. Did. We did. That yeah. that, that was. Um, I think Renieri uh, so, got his got it right that night as well. Yeah, didn't yeah. Frank, Frank, Frank was Frank was superb. Absolutely, one of his great games, and he scored a great goal as well. Um, uh, and it was I was bizarrely sitting upstairs. They had two lots of you, seats. We in the Arsenal directors' box. Well, that would have been very pleasant, but yeah, no, it wasn't. No, they had two lots. You had all the Chelsea fans uh, were in a lower tier, but also. Um, in a, in a top part of the stand, which I never quite understood, and I was up there, and um, I'd had pasta with Eddie Levy um, just beforehand, and we'd strolled to the ground, and we had a kind, you know, you, you've got that excitement of knowing the team are playing well, knowing that he's got some world beaters there, knowing that this should be different, um, but knowing that they were a great side and they had the the Indian sign over us, so um, um, it was, you know, you've got that sort of pessimistic pessimistic optimism but we started to particularly the last 15 minutes i think we were it seemed to be there was a goal coming and i was thinking no it's going to be one of those things we're going to hit the post a lot and they're going to get a, a spawny lucky 
breakaway thing because they were terribly good at at um, stringing some excellent passes together from the midfield and then running away with it and just flicking the ball in. That was one of the the, the great abilities was to score on the counter attack really quickly with some great players. Bergkamp was great, Vieira was great, Armory was great, um, and. Uh, so there was, you know, you have that kind of trepidation, hoping against hope that you're going to maintain this, the level that you're playing at. And we did. And I think and we'd ha- already had a couple of moves where Wayne Bridge had almost scored or de- played the ball in. He had a very, very good game, that game that evening. And when he scored, it was just um, what I loved about it at the time was so ridiculous, was the the people around me saying, um, don't let them score again. Don't let them score again, because then then it'll go to um, uh, it'll, it'll probably be extra, extra time and then might go to penalties. And I'm, and I'm saying, look, we've won it. Look, there's three minutes to go. Look, they we, we've got a goal. They've got to score twice. No, they don't. You don't know anything. What are you talking about? This sort of terrible panic amongst people yeah, who you think would yeah. know, know the fact we'd scored the away goal. We won it. We're all going, we've won it. It's like brilliant. Absolutely, we've won it. And still, these 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 people not aware of the laws, you know, going, oh, what happened? Mike, I'll be on the other end of score. Oh, well, shut up, fuck's sake. Um, but it was uh, it was completely wonderful. It yeah. was wonderful. I mean, there, was the, there was also a wonderful nod back to the uh, early 70s and middle of the roads, chirpy, chirpy, cheap, cheap, getting a reworking as... Where's your treble gone? Where's your treble gone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got to hand it one of the, the chant I love that with the novelty next season they couldn't do, which they persisted with, which always pissed me off whenever I went to Highbury, was the uh, you won the league in the 50s, you won the league in black and white, which I always thought was clever. It's a clever chant. It annoyed me because it was always unveiled. Because of course we hadn't yeah, won yeah. the league at all. But yeah, that was a that was a great one, wasn't it? Where's your trouble gone? I love that. Yeah, there was a spontaneous moment after we'd scored that goal. I mean, you know, talking of, talking of that. Sorry, Mark. I will I will bring you in and say I've, I've clocked it as they say. Season before, I remember at the Man United home match, just going incandescent with rage because, of course, as we know, the the away fans were in the East Stand, so right under where Marco and I sit and. At half time, the man, Marco might remember this that the Man United fans basically didn't shut up for about 10 or 15 or even 20 minutes, just going 48 years, 48 years, 48 years, 48 years, for and they just wouldn't shut. I just wanted to like jump down there and crack a few heads, it was just absolutely fucking me right off. So, uh, anyway, we digress, Mark and listeners. Mark and I haven't shared the script beforehand, but ironically, I had my hand up just as Marco's made that point. Because Marco has nailed it as well. Because a few days before the Arsenal-Chelsea game, United had knocked Arsenal out of the cup. So United were in this invincible period. We'd beaten Tottenham and clawed it back a couple of points, although we weren't going to win the league. And they'd drawn. I think the weekend before, United had knocked them out of the cup. So in a matter of a week, they'd gone from a treble just down to the league title now. Uh, I think the other thing is, what what I found watching this at home, was that Lampard goal was the turning point in the game. Yeah. yeah. Absolute turning point. Because they didn't know what to do then, Arsenal. No. Yeah. Do they stick or do they twist? So do they push up and get a second goal? But leave them exposed because we could afford Arsenal to go 2-1 up. And if we came back at them, 2-all would have still put us through on the away goals rule. So they didn't know whether to defend either. And I think that indecision, yeah, we exploited because in the latter part of the game, it was all Chelsea. 
and as you said, Bridge Bridge had a couple of chances as well. But the other thing, you know, JK might be shocked by this, but watching at home, um, which people in the ground wouldn't have seen, and when that moment when you know Chelsea have won, Ranieri is crying. Yeah, you know, there's tears there, and you have to be moved by that. As much as I've criticised him and said he tinkered, etc., I think that moment for me, thought, do you know what? The guy's human. Yeah, and they're trying to shaft him. They're trying to bring Ericsson, who none of us wanted. Uh, and I, I really, at that moment, you know, I really warmed to the guy. That was a really emotional moment with him where he's crying and the players are jumping on top of him. So, um, but we'll come to a different game in a bit where it'll all change again. But for that, for that moment, yeah. you know, and even like my mother, like, you know, I spoke to my mother on the phone. She said, oh, you're watching the game. And she was just moved by that. She said, wasn't that great? You, you, you felt so sorry for this man because, you know, he's like a dead man walking. And for his team to win that night, she just thought that was really special. I think the other thing is, is that it showed you that the players, in spite of what we may may or may not read from Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, were four square behind him. There was a real, there was a real togetherness and collectiveness there. But it it was a brilliant match. I mean, I watched it in the Duke's head in Putney with uh, Doctor Mart, uh, and I mean, God, it was unbearable at times. Um, I wish I'd been there. I mean, that, the scenes, the scenes when that goal. I mean, there's been stories written about that. From many many friends, in fact, now. But uh, the scenes when when Wayne Bridges' goal went in were just insane, and then the players uh, jumping in with the crowd. It was it was really really wonderful and emotional. Now, to give you um, you know an, an idea of how big this was for us. I mean, it's not just the Champions League. I mean, it means we go to the semi final for the first time. I mean, that's momentous in itself. But actually, it was for me overshadowed by the fact that we'd finally fucking beaten Arsenal at something. Now. I don't like Arsenal, as you well know. And I remember at the final whistle, I mean, it was joyous. Um, you know, Thierry Henry, great player. I know, You know, you can't say a word against him as a player. Great player. But for me, I hated him. He played like a player who liked the smell of his own farts. <laughs> you know, he just was so fucking delighted with himself. And it He's used not to... well loved in Ireland either. No, well, it really, really pissed me off. So for me, the absolute delight, apart from the fact that 17 games of hurt was now over, was the fact that at the final whistle, Arsenal players were on their knees all over the pitch and in tears at disbelief at the final whistle. And I actually managed to find a brilliant picture of the likes of Vieira crying and Henri on their knees and all of these players absolutely just distraught at what had happened. And I had that as my screensaver at work for three years. So <laughs> I really just basically got everything out of this match that I possibly could. So there you go. Which, of course... They're right to cry, aren't they? Because in the actual fact, if, if they'd beaten us, they'd have um, uh, they'd have probably put Monaco to the sword and then they'd have pl- played Porto in the final. And I reckon well, they'd have beaten them. So it was their opportunity for winning the the, 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 the European Cup for the it, first time. It may well have been, JK. It may well have been. Um, I mean, the reality is it was us that went through to the semi-final against Monaco, as you said. And, of course, we're all thinking, Monaco? Monaco? Who are they? You know, we'll have them. No problem at all. They'd not Real Madrid out. Maybe that should have been a warning for us. Also... Jidge, wasn't, wasn't the other semi-final, was it Deportivo La Coruña yeah, and Porto? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. wasn't that the year that, that Deportivo had knocked out AC Milan, having been 3-0 down in the first leg? Yeah. So yeah. They, they were no idiots. Um, but the reality is, when you get a draw, 
potential draw. You've got Monaco, Porto and Deportivo left in the Champions League. You should be thinking, especially with the talent that we've got, hello, we've got a chance. And actually, I did. I thought, hello, we've got a chance. Uh, but as I said, we didn't realise that Monaco had knocked out Real Madrid and were managed by Didier Deschamps in a rather weird, I have to be honest, look, a, a rather Gestapo-looking black leather trench coat. You always wore that, yeah. I always found that a, really, a weeny bit sinister and maybe a bit vichy, but, you know, we'll see. Anyway, um, the old water carrier was their manager. Now, here's a really weird thing. In my head, the away leg was the second match. Not the first match. How did I get that so wrong? But actually, it was the away leg that was the first match. Now, I didn't get a ticket for this either. So I'm in the Duke's head again. I mean, as you would do. You stay in the same seats and drink the same beer at the same time because you're a bit weird like that. So we're all in the Duke's head. Um, I know that these two... I think probably all three of you were there. JK, did you make it out of this one? Yeah, Marco, we know, was there. Mark, right, OK. Well, I'll let you tell your stories in a second. But just for the... Uh, just a quick kind of pricey of the match. Uh, the big monster that was Perso put uh, put them ahead on 17 minutes. Crespo equalised for us with a good goal, 22 minutes. At which point, Ranieri completely and utterly lost the plot. It was as if all the pressure that had been borne down on him of months and months and months of speculation and he was the dead man walking... And I mean, the other the background to this is that Roman Abramovich had been meeting Jose Mourinho on his yacht, which was moored in Monaco, discussing terms for taking over as manager, even before Mourinho had beaten Deportivo in the semi-final and even before he went on to win the Champions League for Porto. So Roman's meeting Mourinho in... Ranieri knows all of this. I mean, I can actually... I have sympathy with him here in a way. You know, he lost the plot. And I can understand that with the pressure that he's under. But he absolutely lost it. He basically, he brought on Veron for his first match in months. Because Veron had been out injured for half of the season. He brings Veron on. He then brings on Hasselbank for Melchior. Because he basically wants to go and get another goal and kind of kill off the time. They just had somebody sent off as well. They had had uh, Zikos sent off for basically putting hands on and Desai was rather naughty and, and play acting like Billio. It wasn't Desai who had been manhandled, but he was encouraging the ref to send him off and he was sarcastically applauding, wasn't he, when it happened. But anyway, it brings on Has- Hasselbank from Elkiot and then that kind of backfired. So he then brought on Huth for Parker. I mean, and he had he had players, he had Hasselbank playing at left back at some times, Veron playing at centre forward. Huth uh, played right back. It was fucking nuts there's no other way of i mean you you just can't you cannot fucking explain it yeah veron came on at half time for gronkia i mean that in itself was nuts veron was hopeless yeah i know but he he hadn't played for months no why then why but why make that change yeah and I know all the while at, they're just completely bewildered. I know what the fuck but was going on. All the while, you've got Adrian Mutu, Joe Cole, and Geremai on the bench, mate. I mean, it just it just beggars belief. So poor old Ranieri, you know, he, he lost the plot totally. Uh, the pressure got to him. I think uh, we should have held on for a one-one. I mean, a sensible manager would have said semi-final, Champions League, one-one away. That's a good result. We'll set. We'll shut up shop. We'll, we'll do them at home. 
It's okay. Don't panic. There's another sidebar to this, of course, which is the inf- this was the infamous uh, Ron Atkinson uh, issue where at half time he he basically described Asai with using the N word, which was unforgivable, and uh, got promptly sacked about a couple of days later, and has never ever apologised for. It. I interviewed Ron Atkinson three years later. In fact, actually, I'll tell you this. I had to get permission from the head of Sky TV, not just my executive producer and the commissioning editor, from the head of Sky TV, I had to get permission to include him in the programme that I was making. And the reason I wanted him in the programme was because he was very integral to both plot lines on both episodes. He he would have done any, he'd have done it for free, but he, he, he gave me two or three hours for what was supposed to be an hour interview. And off, off camera... Um, I talked to him about this and I said, oh, look, I, you know, by the way, Ron, I am a Chelsea supporter. So, you know, it's pretty clear where my loyalties lie. He wouldn't have it. He wouldn't have it that he'd done anything wrong at all. It was quite staggering. And I mean, having interviewed him for three hours, he was very funny, very entertaining, very lovely man, actually. Real football man. Great interview. He just couldn't get it. He couldn't get what he'd done wrong. It was quite remarkable. Quite remarkable. And he was also the most orange man I've ever interviewed. But that's another story. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com So there you go. So there's my little Ron Atkinson story. Um, 
Okay, JK, you first. Tell me about your experience in Monaco. About Ron. Oh, uh, well, um, any, any, do you, do you, I, actually, I don't care, Jonathan. Um, anything you to, want. Anything you I want. Rather foolishly, I don't know why I did it. I went with a very large backpack. Um, uh, I think I think I stayed the night there. That was why I went. I had all my stuff in it. And I like wandering around. Never go anywhere French. I like wandering around chatting and going to cafes. I was on my, I don't know why I was on my own. Um, uh, um, it was all very peculiar looking back at it. And, of course, I almost got arrested on several occasions when confronted <laughs> by... Naturally, because I was... Because you're a um, headhunter. I, I looked a little bit peculiar, I think, well, with my backpack, possibly down and out, possibly uh, jeans. Unibomber. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, could have been a bomb, whatever. You know, monsieur, qu'est-ce que vous avez dans votre, votre backpack? You know, all this rubbish. Oh, did they I, think you were Mignon Merciless? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't grow facial hair like this. I was too young then. Too, <laughs> so I just remember that half a sack is ouvre sac, uh, and um, as you'd expect, sack from Havre, that's where it came from. And uh, and they'd always like to look inside, you know, and you'd say, well, good school. They'd always say, what are you doing here for? In the... I said, I've come to see my team, the, the Les Bleus, uh, at the at the great uh, Monaco Le ground. Les and, and uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, um, and I'd say, uh, also, I'm here to practice my French, monsieur, uh, which is, uh, je suis là pour pratiquer mon français. And um, this would uh, result in them... Uh, um, the subject being changed and then really realising that I wasn't uh, a bomber or a thug or even a did they say? Out. Did they say, are you a bummer? <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, no. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> mainly because they, they, didn't, they, weren't speaking, they weren't speaking English, English to me. Yeah, it was good, but they weren't speaking English to me. But um, yes, yeah, so I wondered about and um uh, and then met met up with people in the ground and uh, or actually I think no, I met up with them before. It was a kind of uh, it, it, the, the usual for me. You know, got a got a plane out the night before, and then um, except this time we stayed the uh, I stayed the stayed the night in a hotel and got the plane back the following day. So um, I didn't uh, I didn't celebrate particularly because uh, there was nothing to celebrate. It was well, just no, they're um, quite, they're well. it was just had a had a meal in a in a restaurant with a couple of mates afterwards. You know. Okay. Just, just, Mr. Worrell, regale us with your Monaco tale. Uh, so this one, we flew to Nice. Um, we had a few uh, sherbets in Beaulieu-sur-Mer beforehand. Went into Monaco. Um, went up to, I don't know, the square and had the most expensive lager in our lives ever. Um, e even more expensive than Stockholm. Um what would have been, I don't know, five or six years previously. Um, went to the game, got pissed off. Um, went back to Nice and ended up in a club called Le Havan. Um, and, and it was like, I don't know, a weird club. It was a sex club, I think. <laughs> Although we, we weren't aware of that. We didn't actually know it was, we thought it was a, like a club club. But it was actually a knocking shop. Um, there were lots of naked naked people there that didn't give you the. No, hint. no, no, no. This was like quite sophisticated. In oh, one of those. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Um, I don't actually, but yeah and, that, yeah. and that and that and that didn't really improve the mood. Um, I mean, you you know, you're on a bad bad night out when you get rejected by a prostitute. 
Probably, uh, your luck's not going to get any worse. So how, how did it go then, Mark? Kind of like, well, okay, how about it, love? And she said, are you a Chelsea fan? And, she, and you said, yeah. She said, no, 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 thanks. Not with you lot. Yeah, I can see it now. I can see it now. Yeah. Oh, dear, mate. Oh, I, uh, that's wrong. Yeah, no, I, obviously, I mentioned the, 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 the uh, opprobrium directed towards uh, Mr. Kenyon at the top of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was just nothing good about any of it. Um, it was yeah. maddening, wasn't it? It was absolutely maddening. It felt so flaming unnecessary. Well, just like Ranieri threw the baby out with the yeah. bathroom. He went, I mean, he went pots. It was like a kind of, you know, an, an hour's worth uh, of psychosis. I remember we, we were at the airport um, in Nice coming back the next day. And ugly John picked up, found a Daily Mail, um, and and the the back page headline was Stinker Man, <laughs> which, is always, which has always stayed with me. Um, yeah, yeah, not he, a good night. He stunk the place out. Uh, Mark, I don't think you stunk the place out. Your your, your tail. Well, put it this way. I mean, what people may or may not know is that Mark, Mark's brilliant. He, he sends me like, you know, lots of notes, which I incorporate into the whole kind of running order, which is basically just each game. Mark's notes on Monaco are almost a page long. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, it starts. Uh, it starts when I'm at home watching the Arsenal game and that easy jet race to get a sort of plane ticket. So as soon as Wayne Bridges' goal has gone in, I don't even wait for the end of the game. And I booked my flights from Gatwick Airport so out you, to Nice. You were cheating because you weren't there. So you were able to do that. I, I was, but, and this, this is 19 years on, and this is our sort of like spooky fan cast moment. Because I said earlier, I was rereading uh, Marco's brilliant book over land and sea um, over the last few days. And I read in there that Marco flew out from Gatwick to Nice on this 6.30 a.m. flight. I was on the same flight. <laughs> so I landed in Nice about half nine, ten o'clock. Um, and actually, the first person I actually bump into was Robert Steen. Um, so Robert Steen, we've talked about many times. From you know, big, 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 big Chelsea fan, love, lovely man, huge uh, memorabilia collection, massive memorabilia, absolutely spot on, J.K. Uh, and obviously, I've fallen foul of the fair Chelsea ticket allocation system as well. And it was an even smaller allocation this time because. The Monaco away end was quite small. So I didn't have a ticket, but I'd, I'd booked my flight, so I, I'd, I'd gone out there. And so that, that was the first question Robert asked, well, have you got a ticket for the game, Mark? And I said, well, no. Uh, he said, well, if I hear anything, I'll give you a call. Um, so about an hour later, I get a phone call um, from Robert, and he, he's having lunch um, in, in Monaco itself, because he was actually getting the train at uh, Gartier Station when I met him. And he's having lunch uh, with a gentleman called Jarvis Astaire. And he said, well, have you heard of Jarvis Astaire? I said, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard the name Jarvis. He's a big, big Chelsea fan, sits in the East Stand. You, you didn't he say Fred's brother then? No. Uh, and he said, well, we're having lunch at the moment. Uh, and I said, well, shall I join you in the restaurant? And Robert says, no, Mark, I don't think it's a good idea because Ken Bates is on the next table. <laughs> I said, okay, fair enough. Are you still not Where speaking you... to Ken then at this stage? Well, I'll, I'll come to the Ken right, bit in a minute. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, um, so I said, "Where are you going afterwards?" And I can't remember. And I, I looked at it online, uh, and all I remember it was like, if you remember that only only fools and horses episode where the trotters go to Monaco, 
<laughs> and I think it's the Hotel Paris Monte Carlo, but it might be the casino. I'm not sure. And I looked it online. It looked like Hotel Paris Monte Carlo. So uh, I get the train into Monte Carlo, and I meet Robert and Jarvis in this um, hotel bar. And it was probably the most expensive hotel I've ever been in my life. Just walking in, it just smelt of money. Uh, and obviously, the ATP tennis tournament was on that week in Monaco at the same time. So I said, while I'm there, apparently Robbie Williams is in the bar, but I, I didn't see him. But Tim Henman, Roger Federer, Carlos Moyer, Andy Roddick, Rafael Nadal, Andre Agassi all come and go past me. Um, because the court was very near to where, where the ho hotel was. And overwhelmed by the amount of women that were staying in the hotel as well, whether that's got to do any, anything about tennis. Now, the thing about Jarvis um, is Jarvis wanted to test out how Chelsea I was and my Chelsea credibility, because clearly... Really? The, yeah, well, he didn't know me. I was just Robert's friend. Um, not not Robert's ticket, actor friend, obviously. Not Robert's actor friend, no. Um, it was Robert's friend. Um and the tickets were 100 euros, even back then. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, so they were 100 euros. So these were really, really posh, posh seats. Uh, so he didn't want to give it to sort of like one of the headhunts, for example. So there was a sort of few questions he asked me about my Chelsea credibility. And Jarvis, you know, the only time I met, lovely man. Lovely, really, really engaging character. And uh, people don't know Jarvis is there. His, his name, probably, if you're a sports fan, you'll know Jarvis through boxing, through wrestling. He was a boxing wrestling promoter. But he wasn't just that. Um, just having sort of like, almost like, well, he had lunch, but it was like a late lunch for me. So sort of hearing about him and chatting to him sort of like for an hour, I was only there again at the ticket and I stayed for ages. He actually managed Dustin Hoffman. Wow. So at the peak, the peak of Dustin Hoffman's career, name me a couple of Dustin Hoffman films in the 1970s. The Graduate. That was the sixth. Name another one. Marathon Man. Marathon yep. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and around about that time as well. Straw dogs. No, nope. dog day all the presidents, all the presidents' men. So one of Hoffman's, the two of Hoffman's biggest films at that point, Jarvis was his manager. And the other thing about Jarvis is he actually brought boxing to cinemas in the UK. So there was a period where they used to show the big. I did. I remember cinema. that. That's right. It, it, it was Jarvis's idea. He brought that idea to the UK. Did, didn't he? Didn't he manage the uh, the t the TV wrestling, the Jackie Pallows? Yeah, uh, that's it. He's a wrestling promoter. Wrestling promoter, yeah. On Jacob. And he was involved with the uh, Muhammad Ali-Henry Cooper fight in the mid-1960s. Yeah. So Muhammad Ali was like a lifelong friend. So I just spent an hour in this man's company. and He, was just... he actually sat He sat at the next table um, in um, in the East Stand um, yeah. in, in Aussies. And when he wasn't very well, and his 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 daughter looked after him all the time in, in latter years, and um, and then she he didn't come anymore. She said he was a bit too had difficulty getting up the stairs, and she came, and she was charming, lovely woman. And and sadly, like Jarvis, you know, for people listening, he passed away last year at the age mm. of ninety seven. Yeah. But one one hour in his company, just an amazing man, and I had to thank him. He got me a ticket for the game, so I, I handed over my sort of hundred euros and. It was in the executive area, the real executive area for Monaco. So part of the reason why he was sort of like testing me out was, and it didn't happen, he, was, he said to me that Sir Philip Green, the Sir Philip Green, uh, was meant to be flying in by helicopter for the game. And I might be sitting beside Sir Philip Green, but 
as far as I was aware, Philip Green was Tottenham. But the person that ended up sitting beside me was a younger man. I don't know whether it's Philip Green's son or whoever. Uh, but I actually had one of the best seats in the house. And if I looked over, um, like Prince Albert of Monaco was in a box nearby to me, with obviously with his Monaco scarf and those annoying rattlers they had during the game. So I, I was very much living the high life. Uh, Prince Ranier wasn't at the game. It was his box. I think he, he passed away soon after. And then nearer to me, just over to the right, um, was Roman and his entourage. Yeah. I, I was really smack bang in the exact game. But a bit further down was the cheap seats, but they were still where Ken and Susanna were. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, come, I'll, I'll come to Ken and Susanna in a minute. But I was, I'll come back to that. But obviously, my mates were all out there as well. And we're all in the same boat. No one had a ticket, all trying to find ways to get tickets. And two of the guys I like go to football with, they managed to get two premier tickets for 100 euros themselves in the stand opposite. Uh, uh, and they were sitting behind Sven Gore and Ericsson. So Sven, Sven, Sven was at the game and the mates were there in sort of like polo shirts, um, might have had Chelsea logos on them. And everyone else was dressed in suits there. And they picked up um, programmes outside the, um, the ground before the game. And one of my mates sort of like, almost like, do you remember Benny Hill? I can't remember, was it Bob Todd? Or I can't remember the actor. Where he sort of taps him on the head. So he's like tapping Sven on the head and ruffling his hair. And he actually says to Sven, he shoved the program and goes, Oi, sign them. You know, <laughs> I think Sven, Sven felt obliged. I think he signed four programs for, for, for one of our mates. Yeah. You know. uh, was, was Sven with, with Peter Kenyon again? No, he, 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 he wasn't. wasn't. What he we was mate, there was four people with them. One of the guys was doing his best uh, to try and look smart, but he had a Chelsea shirt on underneath. Because this was what you know, this was the posh section. So whether they might have been Chelsea representatives, don't don't know. No. but I'll, I'll come back to be friends because the night didn't end there. Um, but obviously, we talked the Ranieri losing the plot, and I'm there in the posh seats, and I'm thinking one all. Yeah, I'll take that. You know, down to ten men, I'll take that. And just those last parts of the game, you just felt like the world had sort of like ended because I actually thought we were going to win the Champions League. You looked at who was left in the competition. Thought, yeah, we're going to win. The, we're going to win the Champions League. This is, this is going to be an amazing game. Now, I once said I never thought I'd see Chelsea win the league, and we've done that since. By that point, we hadn't won the league since, as JK said, since the days of black and white. Uh, so we might win the Champions League before we've won the league. It was just incredible. And then for it to fall apart in that period of time. So at the end, you're just you're just flat. Like the ground empties. Prince Albert probably goes off to celebrate. Roman probably goes off to threaten to sack, you know, um, Ranieri or do something with him in the dressing room afterwards, because I know he went down there. So the only people left in the stands are me, Ken, and Susanna, Jonathan's friend. So I actually walk over to them, and it, it, it was quite sad in a way, irrespective of like my love-hate relationship with Ken. Ken by now had um, been ousted by Peter Kenyon. He no longer had his column in the programme, but he still will obviously go into the games. And they were like outsiders looking in. So I actually stood and had a real long chat, you know, to Ken and to Susanna. To Susanna. And, you know, we really, you know, really parted on good terms. You know, and just said, like, don't be a stranger. You know, said goodbye. And then I headed off into the night, got the the train back from Monaco, back to Nice, and then went drinking. Um, and then, you know, 
the pub we're in, we, you know, you've heard of like drinking places dry. Well, we didn't drink the pub dry, but they ran out of glasses. So you've got all these Chelsea fans in this bar in Nice, packed out to the guild. Everyone is really, really fed up that we've potentially blown our only chance in history of winning the Champions League. And running out of glasses isn't washing with the Chelsea fans, and he wasn't washing the glasses either. So the landlord, and it's a bit like those poor Irish pubs you used to see in Camden, where they litter the shelves with any old junk. So this pub bar in Nice had lo loads of like glasses and vases and glass vessels of... He actually emptied the shelves of anything made of glass he could, washed them out and poured beer into them. <laughs> so he had these Chelsea fans drinking out of vases, <laughs> glass vessels, you name it, glass shoes, because you know, they were just so pissed off they just wanted to have a drink. And like one of the guys, eventually yeah, we head to bed, one of the guys carried on drinking throughout the night, take my hat off to him. You know, he was even drinking when the dustman came around the next morning. Um, I think he'd, he'd spent the night drinking with the rough sleepers of Nice, and then he drank with the dustman when they'd finished on their shift. Proper chels. Love it. Proper bloody chels. Uh, and then we hadn't finished there uh, and um, we met the next day and, and Neil Beard is with us if, if, if you talk to Neil, Neil will confirm the story so if you've ever been to Nice uh, and if, if you haven't gone you do go there there's this beautiful beach at the end of Promenade des, On des Anglais and I'd say it's probably the best restaurant I've ever been to in my life the restaurant was right on the beach halfway down the sand touching the Mediterranean. Uh, and we had lunch there with probably the best bottle of wine I've ever had, best fish I've ever had. Um, and basically sort of said, well, if you're going to go out of the Champions League, this is probably one of the nicest places in the world to get knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> we did screw up, didn't we? I mean, that's the reality. We screwed it up, or Ranieri did. Uh, we get back home. We've got a well, few... No, one sec, can I, sorry, just a couple of things before we go on. Sorry. Do you mind, Chidge? Thank you. Um, one of the things I met Terry Venables. Did you? There, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just remembered. I, on my travels, I, I was obviously meeting somebody with my backpack on, and having lunch with them. And he and I was on a kind of uh, balcony, and he was in the next on the next balcony to us. And I said, "Excuse me, you're Terry Venables." And he went, "Oh yeah, yeah." Well, yeah. He said, no, I'm Bobby good. Robson. Uh, amusingly, amusing. Well, perhaps I didn't say that. So I think I probably said my usual shit. But excuse me, Mister Venables, can I just tell you one of my favourite mm. players ever for Chelsea? And I loved the goal that you scored against uh, Roma when we beat them four-one at the Bridge. And he went, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." It, that kind of voice. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. Well, you see, we worked it out, and I flicked it over, and we stuck it in. <laughs> Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hope we win tonight. That stayed with me. But um, what I wanted to ask as well, two things. What did Mark, what did Jarvis ask you, question-wise, to prove that you were um, a Chelsea fan initially? About games I've gone to. Right, right, right. Just games. So you could just, then... Just, just, yeah, just games I've gone to, yeah. And, and also... Think, yeah, sorry. I think what playing. helped with Rob, with Robert there as well is clearly um, I'd, I'd written for the Chelsea magazine. So... Yeah, I had I had a bit of kudos. So Rob, I, Robert I, could I, authenticate it as well. And, 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 and so Rob, Robert, Robert could vouch for me. So I, I wasn't yeah, a hooligan. Yeah. I wasn't going to yeah. sort of jump over the barrier and sort of thump Prince yeah. Albert of Monaco. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I I can mix. Yeah, you know, I can mix in the best circles with kings and queens as well. 
and behave with a bit of decorum. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to ask you was, was, what did Dave do to be invisible when the ticket inspector came round? Did he hide under the table? No, he didn't. Not at all. You know, he just, it, it, it was almost like, you know, he swerved, he sort of like chatted to him. But by the time we got to Stuttgart, this ticket collector had been up and down the train and obviously trying to work his way through that busy buffet car where everyone was drinking. I think he was exhausted. So we had a four-seater and there were three of us sitting there. So the ticket collector just sat with us. And they were just chatting to him. He'd been known him all his life and he checked his ticket many a time. Yeah, it was just, it was just, it was like a, watching a craftsman at work. Blagging. Yeah. Blagging. Blagging. Yeah. That's what he does. To pay is to, to, pay is to fail. Exactly. Right. Let's move on because we'll be here all night otherwise. Okay. We've got a few more league games. Obviously, we've got Newcastle away. We now have basically said bollocks to the league. And I think they must have been pretty depressed after what happened. But uh, we lost 2 1 up there. Cole scored on five minutes. Amiobi 44, Shira 48. It was the final appearance, you'll be delighted to hear, of Ambrosio. Uh, and also Desai. Now, Desai, in the interim, got banned from Europe retrospectively because he fouled somebody in the Monaco match. I think it was retrospective because it wasn't how did he up. get? How did he play in the Monaco game? I, 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 well, I, I, I don't understand this either, but this is, I'm, you know, I'm just relaying what I was told and what I've read. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Duffer was out. Uh, he had injured his shoulder really badly, so he was now out. We, we're in second place in the league. We then get into May. We play Southampton at home. Uh, demolished them 4-0. Lampard scores an excellent brace. Johnson scores another good goal. Uh, and it's the final appearance of Veron. Not before time, many would say, although I liked Veron, as I've often said. Now, that all kind of leads us, what? But Chidge, didn't he stay um, uh, for the whole of the following season? I don't remember. Um, just taking, like doing Winston Bogart. I don't remember, but we'll get to that in the next show. Yeah, I think he did. Okay, so it's all set up for Monaco, the second leg. Now, being Chelsea fans, uh, never say die, never no surrender. We 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 don't we haven't given it up. It is quite a match. Um, I don't know where Marco is sitting, but Martin and I uh, were in the shed end, Marco. Yeah, we were in the shed. Yeah, but we were right in the front row, just to the right hand side of the right hand post. If you see what I mean, yeah. And we were in the front row. Store that one for the memory bank. It's important because after 22 minutes of the second leg of the European champ, uh, the you know U- UEFA Champions League semi-final, Forrest, Forrest Gump, also known as Jesper Gronkjaer, hairs down the right wing, looks up and hoofs the ball towards the penalty area in what was clearly a cross. From where Martin and I were sitting, we saw it all the way into the top corner. From the moment he kicked it, we were right behind it. And I jumped up so high, I nearly fell over the bloody upper tier, you know, barrier. That's 1-0. Lampard, who played out of his skin all night, makes it 2-0 on 44 minutes. We're back in this, boys. We're now level. We can do it. And then something unbelievably controversial happened. And to this day... I don't really know what happened because we were right at the wrong end. But clearly they scored. Um, it was Ibarra who scored. But he put the ball into the net with his hand, didn't he? punched it he? in. Punched it in. He did yeah. punch it in. I know. Yeah. Well, I couldn't see that because we were... I remember on the right. night we all knew he'd punched it in. Yeah. You could see. And it was a fluke anyway. It's a looping header. It was just one of those ridiculous... It things. was a real gut punch though, wasn't it? And, and it... also I thought he was offside. Yeah, yeah. He was on the he was on the line as well. It didn't make any sense. It just seemed to be a... 
you know, one one always thinks on those occasions of um, of money having exchanged hands. But um, you know, maybe maybe. Allegedly. Well, I mean, that was bad enough, and then the final killer was Morientes. Uh, sticking the ball on the net on 60 minutes and that was it thank you very much good night you're out um i mean marco you were you must have been fairly close to me then if you're in the shed whereabouts uh, in the shed then were you yeah we were in the shed um yeah pretty near the yeah this this was like i don't know it was insane wasn't it, it was yeah. sort of like two nil um you're back in it everything everything's back on and then like you say couldn't really see what was going on up the other end, um, apart from the fact it was 2-1. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, it was just like, they kind of threw the kitchen sink at it, didn't they? Um, they after did. Morientes scored. Yeah. They did. I mean, they played really, really well. I mean, Mark, Mark was, you were sitting in the Matthew Harding upper. You I must was, have, you yeah. must have had a good view of Ibarra's handball. Yeah. Yeah. Afraid so. Yeah. Uh, it was handball. It was, now, at the it? time, I've watched it back since it was handball, and it was just that two two minute moment when when Lampard scores, we're in the final. So after all the disappointment, jaws on the floor in Monaco two weeks earlier, we're in the final. Yeah, we were. If we just see it through to half time, we're in the final, yeah. and that goal deep in the injury time just knocked the stuffing out of no, not did. just. Not just the players, everybody in the ground. Well, the the, a, the atmosphere, goal. the atmosphere. You're yeah. right. I mean, you were saying the Matthew Harding upper was incredible. The whole ground was just electric that night, and then it was like somebody just let the air out of all the tires the minute that ball but, went in. But you talk about the handball. You do remember who was referee that night? Anders Frisk. Well remembered. I didn't have to look at my notes there, people. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well remembered. Can't forget things like that. Yep. Yeah. Fucker. Oh well. <laughs> I think the weird thing about this is, um, had had we actually prevailed and got to the final, we'd have probably lost to Mourinho anyway. Well, you know what, Marco? It's funny. When yeah. I was watching all this back, writing the notes and everything else, that was exactly what I was thinking. All this kind of, you know, massive hope and optimism we had. Mourinho was the hottest thing in football at the time. And yeah. I, I cannot see Ranieri out-tacticking Mourinho. No, it I think Marco's right. It would I never have happened. And- Again, I don't know where you were before the game. We were in the pub and Sky made a massive deal, sort of like live to Stamford Bridge because Marino was there to watch the game because he's watching the potential opponents for Porto. And the Sky cameras followed him into the ground. It was like a big thing. And we were seeing that in the pub. And already, as you say, the deal was done in Monaco. That's the next Chelsea manager right there and then. Well, indeed, we were out of the Champions League uh, and really that was the end of Marie uh, of Ranieri and we all knew it now we still want to finish second in the league um remember we we've only done it I think once before I could be wrong uh but uh, actually I don't think we we have finished second before I'd obviously finished no we hadn't no we'd fin- high, high, highest place since 1955 yeah, exactly because obviously we won it in 55 we'd never finished uh second in the Premier League we got United away and Leeds at home there are our last two matches United away uh, was a really good match again, considering what had happened to them before. I mean, they must have been gutted. Gronkjaer, amazingly enough, scores an even better goal than the one he scored against Monaco on 19 minutes. Uh, Van Nisseroy scores for them. Uh, he has a penalty saved by Carlo, who's now back on 43. Hooth was sent off on 73 minutes. But again, I think great result, all things 
considered. Gronkiar, the hero, again with another cracker. Uh, and uh, Carlo kind of gifts their goal with a bit of a fumble. So it's all down to the last match of the season where we play Leeds United. And a very weird atmosphere, as I recall it. Gronkiar gets ahead of this time uh, to make it 1-0. That's 3-3 three and three for Forrest. Uh, and it ends up 1-0. It was the final appearances of Stanich, Nicholas, Melchior, Gronkiar, and, of course, Ranieri. And, of course, everybody in the ground knew that Ranieri was a goner. Now, my memory of this, certainly where I was sitting, Marco would have been pretty close by as well, was that he got a really good reception at the end and there was one Ranieri and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 really massive, massive standing ovation, massive chanting. Apart from JK. Well, I'm about to get there. But certainly, where we, but certainly where we were, I remember it vividly, Marco. He got a lot of love from the Matthew Harding upper where we sit. Um, and I think, you know, in a way, well-deserved. I do wonder, uh, with 19 years of hindsight, whether... A lot of the love he was getting was because Chelsea had beaten Leeds and relegated them. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you must have been, you know, doing cartwheels in the posh bit of the East End, JK. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, the, the final whistle went, and I went back into the uh, yeah. um, the buffet area in uh, in in Aussie. So I went back to I, my table. I, I don't believe you. I think he was standing over the balcony where you sit, going. Oi, Ranieri, fuck off, and then when you fucked off, fuck off some more. <laughs> yeah, I know you, bloody hooligan. Um, I mean, it was a weird atmosphere, wasn't it, Mark? It was just weird. I mean, we'd got knocked out of the Champions League. We hadn't really won anything. We'd managed to relegate Leeds, which is always a plus. Ranieri was going. I didn't know whether to be happy, sad, or what. It was weird. It, it, it was very, very strange. As, as, as you say, yeah, Leeds, Leeds down. Yeah, so surely that is a celebration itself. But yeah, I, I remember it exactly the same way, and you know, irrespective of how frustrated he could have been, yeah, you know, I, I applauded Ranieri. Lot, lot of sympathy towards him. Uh, on another day, you know, he may not have done something so stupid. We'd have drawn one all in Monaco, and we'd have got to the Champions League final, and who knows? But I think Marco's right. Even if we'd got there, I suspect with Jose not losing finals, he'd have made damn certain that Porto beat us. But we shall, we shall never know. I think the other thing about, you know, the important thing was we finished at 79 points. Yeah. yeah. In 1999, Man United won the league at 79 points. Yeah. Although, we are, we just, won, although we're runners up to Arsenal, the Invincibles by 11 points, which is a bit yeah. of a big but gap. They, but they were exceptional. Uh, you know, I think, it, it, right. as, as you're saying, in any other season, we'd have won it. Well, that's true. That's true. But it is our second highest league, finished our highest in the Premier League. As Mark said, any other year we might have won the league with that number of points. Uh, we get to the semi-final of the Champions League, the quarter-final of the FA Cup, the quarter-final of the League Cup. Um, Hasselbank's the top scorer with 17 goals. Now, I want to stop there and just think about that. He's 32 years old. He's basically been told he's, you know not the main man anymore. We've got Crespo at great expense, Mutu at great expense, Ida's still there. And yet Jimmy, because he's a mean son of a bitch, ends up being our top scorer. I love the man for that. Lampard really comes into his own this this season with 15 goals from midfield. This is the start of Lampard's absolute stratospheric rise to being a god. Uh, he's also our top appearance maker with 58 appearances and he's also our player of the year. And I think that Lampard, Terry, Gallison, Kudicini and Bridge, actually, were the standout players together, along with Hasselbank and Crespo. Um, 
we do say farewell to a lot of players this season. Farewell to Hasselbank, Stanich, Nicholas, Melchior, Gronkia, Ambrosio, hooray, Desai, Veron, Petit. Uh, but of course, the main person we say cheerio to is, is Ranieri, the dead man walking. Um, the Monaco debacle, I think, was the cherry on top of the of the cake for him. Uh, but there were highs and lows. I mean, it was amazing to get to a semi-final of a Champions League. It was brilliant to beat Arsenal on the way. I mean, that will live with me forever. There's a slight coda on the Ranieri story. Because he hadn't actually been sacked. He wasn't sacked until the 15th of July, I believe. And as it would happen, <clears throat> I was... Uh, I I had a mate who used to organise and produce big events. And one of the events he was producing was the Royal Variety uh, Clubs. Is it the Royal Variety Club, JK? Mm. Yeah. They had an annual event where they did their sports awards. And I was Rob Rod's assistant producer, or the, you know, co- co-producer, whatever you call it, on the day. And my job was to basically... He was in the gallery because it was all filmed. And uh, he was too busy in there. So my job was to be on the floor organising people. Rob, Rod used to say to me, Chidge, you're the best person for the job because I need you to be lovely to the people that we need to be lovely to and horrible to the people that we need to be horrible to. And apparently I was perfect for that. I have no idea why. But one of my jobs was to lead the award winners from their table. Loads of kind of dinner tables all laid out, stage in front. You'd lead them up to the, the podium where they'd give their acceptance speech. Guess who the Man of the Year award went to that year? Ranieri. Claudio Ranieri. <laughs> so I knew beforehand that he was going to win this. So being a sneaky bugger, I thought, you know what? I'm going to take my Leeds program or my program from the Leeds match and get him to sign it because I thought, well, why not? And I went up to him, really naughty and very unprofessional, but I'm kind of like crouched down just before he's about to be announced. I said, Claudio, I'm a massive Chelsea fan. Uh, it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. I'm sorry you got the, you know, sorry it didn't work out. Can you sign this? And he said, no, he didn't really, he was like completely bamboozled by this, but very lovely of him. He signed it and then I led him up and he got his award. Got his award, all lovely. He sits down. Then all hell breaks loose. Because apparently he was fired that day. He didn't even know. But he was fired whilst this was all going on. And we had all of the sports news people almost beating the door down to get in because they wanted to do an interview with Ranieri. And I talked to him. He said he didn't want to speak to anybody. So I then had carte blanche to go kind of front of house and tell 
all the people, particularly from Sky News, to fuck off, fuck off some more. And when you fucked off, take a look in the mirror and fuck off again. And I just tore into all of them. So he's not speaking to any of you fuckers. Fuck off. It was one of the most delightful things I've ever had the opportunity to do in my career, to tell them all to fuck off, because they all wanted a piece of him. And he didn't want to know. I mean, he he didn't even know he'd been fired on that day. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. So there you go. I've never told that story before. It felt good. Um, So there you go. That was the season that was 2003-2004. I mean... You've got a lovely quote from Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's uh, book on uh, on Cl- on Claudio Ranieri, haven't you, Mark? He, he he's done he's done quite a few, and I forgot to mention one earlier, which I'll come to. But he basically says Claudio Ranieri is a nice man, and I've always had a good relationship with him. I disagreed with some of his methods. You know, he did put negative pressure on us by having made us stay very quiet in the dressing room. He didn't want any noise in the dressing before a match. During the break, nobody would say a word. Here in England, it is normal before the game, you have music on, you make some noise, you kick the ball about. Ranieri wanted us to be calm and quiet before the game. He would even take our balls away from us. <laughs> we couldn't even turn on any music. We were allowed walkways, but with the volume turned down. <laughs> I have seen Ranieri angry several times. He often got angry because we kept picking on Roberto Sassi, who was, um, I think, Ranieri's right-hand man. Sassi was a complete nutter. He seemed to think we were in some kind of detention camp. It was abnormal how he made us work. Ranieri once got angry because the group hadn't done something he wanted, and he had convinced himself that we were pulling his leg. So he said to us, you want me to get the sack? I don't care. I'll take the money, then I'll go and sit on the beach with a big cigar. <laughs> and then what he what he says like Jimmy himself and talk, talking about his own sort of season but well, this is what, like quite a good description of everything about this season he got the numbers wrong um, but he says the fact that I only scored 13 goals in my final season with Chelsea was because of the tactics of the manager I started the year off playing well in my partnership with Mutu and that was working despite the fact that Mutu is quite an egocentric player <laughs> It was understandable, of course, that he would be a little selfish as he had to prove that he was worth his transfer fee. The problem was we had 13 new players and all 13 of them wanted <laughs> to prove themselves. And so they all made that little extra effort and they all made steps in their own direction, not necessarily to the team's benefit. That's why we didn't function as well as we could have done and we never really became a team. However, at the same time, it was the guys who'd been playing there all this time, Frank Lampard, John Terry, Idegard Johnson and William Gallus, who had fantastic seasons. These guys could play freely. They didn't have to prove themselves to anyone. They'd done it and they were not concerned about making impressions. They just wanted to play. And then what I'll finish with, I should have mentioned this earlier, uh, and this is a great story about Roman Abramovich when we beat Arsenal. Um, we reached the semi-finals of the Champions League after beating Arsenal in the quarterfinals. At the beginning of the season, the chairman, Roman Abramovich, I promised us £50,000 per player if we reached the semi-finals. On the 24th of March, we met with us. We drew one all, but then we win at Highbury. Everybody was overjoyed in the changing room. The atmosphere was exuberant. Abramovich comes in to join us and was laughing really loudly. So Adrian Mewtwo jerks with him and says, come on, man, come on, double the bonus. Everybody looked at Abramovich to see his reaction. 
And he says, okay, I will double it then. So at the end of the month, for beating Arsenal, instead of the promised 50,000, there was £100,000 in our bank accounts. I went on holiday with that bonus and gave my family an extra treat. Oh. Nice one, Roman. So, so Jimmy went on holiday and spent 100000 Blimey, where'd he go? Well, he says later in the book he buys a few properties in Dubai. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. He also said that he thought he was a nice man and he always had a good relationship yeah. with him. He just disagreed with some of his methods. Well, one can understand why. Jonathan yeah. and Marco, final words from you. Marco first. On the season, really? Um, well, it was just a season uh, pretty much like no other. Um that uh, I, I just didn't know. It was kind of like the Columbus principles, kind of like you know, when, when we set out, we didn't know where we were going. When we got there, we didn't know where we were. When we got back, we didn't know where we'd been. That's a beautiful um, way of summing it up. That is a great description. <laughs> That's, <just beautiful. laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, so... Really, that's it for me. <laughs> Marco, if you never say anything on a fan cast ever again, that's the most genius thing you've ever said. It's absolutely the perfect summary of this season. I, I often felt like that, although I did drink a lot in those days, so that might have something to do with it. But no, that's perfect. Okay, JK, follow that, mate. Um, well, I was going to say it was uh, it was a journey of adventure, which is uh, mm. you know praising what um, Marco said so eloquently. Um, uh, uh, I went in not knowing what was going to happen. And um, uh, in a sense, I, it, everything was confirmed because um, uh, it was a season where we won nothing, despite yeah. having bought um, 13 or however, how many players we bought of the best players in the, uh, around Europe and in, and in the league. And um, you just have to look at the number of times players played just to see um, how he spread it around, as always, other than the... Uh, um, the top lot um, uh, that were mentioned in, in the book there, that uh, JT and Frank, who were brilliant, um, uh, and it would have been Carlo playing more. Um, uh, I, I was bemused that Makaleli didn't play much. Um, oh, I don't know. He played 46 games. If, if, when he played 41 games, I think. No, uh, it was Bridge, I think, who played 46. No, and he only played 26 in the league, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point. He, he, he picked, he, he, he similarly, Gallus only played 23. Um, so he had this vision of wanting to give everybody a go that was ultimately to the detriment of the performances. Um, uh, Duffer, I know, was injured for bits and pieces, but only played 17. In the in, league. In, in the, the league. league. In the league. I know, I know. But I still think, um, despite us coming second, there was a team that he could have been more consistent with, as was stated by Soxie in the last, um, Soxie's book in the last season. Um he seemed to be obsessed with uh, with changing the permutation around, which would be was his ultimately his undoing. Mm. Because if he'd won uh, trophies as he should have done, it would have created a conundrum, yeah. and he would probably have to carry it on. Well, they probably would have considered. Re- well, actually, we we know we know what we know what would have happened, J.K. Because we saw this happen forever after. They'd have kept him on because he'd have won the Champions League and sacked him by October. Yeah. Because that's what Roman would do. Roman would do it. Yeah, would have been the beginning of it. Absolutely. Yeah, but there you and go. they'd have missed the opportunity to get Mourinho. Well, that, so, that was uh, never going to happen, was it? No. Uh, that uh, was never. I think they'd made the decision on him by the turn of the year. I think. But I, I think the positives to take out of it are 
Frank just getting better and better. Um, Joe Cole, who should have played much more, being being uh, actually sort of as enigmatic as he was under Mourinho. Mourinho mm. constantly not not picking him for him not quite coming up to scratch, but clearly a wonderful player. Um, Makaleli impressing, um, Gallus impressing, all the players that that uh, Mourinho would then use in the side. Duff being phenomenal when he played. And, and they'd already bought in the season, they'd bought Czech and Robin, but kept them on at their clubs. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, you, ultimately the Robin-Duff combination would just excel. It would. Just to a, it would. So brilliant, well, brilliant that, couple of players. It's a good So, point. yeah, say, No, say no, go on, go on, go on. No, just saying it, it as a as a as the the kind of um, uh, the buds that would then flower the following season were all there. So uh, I suppose one could be forgiving in that it was a it was the first season of the new um, uh, of the new owner and uh, um, being led by somebody who was um, repeating the same mistakes he'd made in the previous season. So his his time was always going to be. Yeah. Limited. I think that's very true, and I mean it's a good segue in, into next season, where of course the the arrival of the special one and a winning mentality and a few. I mean, signing Duff and and Czech, were all game changers. And, and also Carvalho. And Carvalho, yeah, Ricky C turned up, didn't he? Yeah. Phenomenal player, phenomenal. Well, then we go. We'll have to wait for another day to do that one. We might have to wait for quite a while because I don't envisage doing one of these now until the World Cup break. In fact, I'm saving them up for the World Cup break because there's bugger all. Them, there'll be yeah. bugger all to talk to talk about yeah. uh, then. And uh, I, I've been absolutely honoured and privileged to be able to do that with these lovely people who have been, of course, the great author, the man who wrote the book about this season, Mr. Marco Worrell. Buonasera, been, been a blast. It has been fun. I knew this was... four hours. I know, but I knew that this would be... <laughs> do you know what? That's shorter than I thought it would be, actually. When I knew we had four of us on here and you've written a flaming book on it, I thought, oh my God, this could go on all night. But you've done, you've all done very well, but it's been brilliant having you on. It's been thoroughly enjoyable doing this particular year with you guys. Mark, as always, uh, you are the brains of a no, an otherwise no-brain outfit. Your notes have been stupendous tonight and your memories of some of these matches have been hilarious. Uh, really enjoyable tonight. Great having Marco on yep. as well. I don't think even Bruce Springsteen concerts last as long as tonight's show. But no. it was it was a great show. Really pleased to be part of it tonight. Yeah, yeah. And, an amazing season. Yeah, it's just a shame we didn't end up with a trophy at the yeah, end of it. Definitely, we are we are definitely the hardest working people in show business. Not the boss, that's for sure. Uh, and of course, the hardest working man in show business is officially Jonathan Kidd. As any fool know. Mr. Molesworth, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Absolutely delightful to see you. We've got to go. Um, it's been brilliant fun. Thanks, boys. You've been stupendous tonight. Thank you for your hard work and your labours. And are you lot out there, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoy it. I'm sure you will. And we'll be back very soon with normal football. Normal service will be resuming next week. Until then, take care and up the Chelsea, of course. Up the Chelsea. Up the Chelsea.